This is One Heat Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven. Robbery homicides take me. Give me all you got! Listen. Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. I'm trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's L.A. crime opus, Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. It is the 138th minute of Michael Mann's L.A. crime saga, Heat. I am joined once again by Academy Award nominee Luke Doolan. You've seen his work in things like Great Gatsby, The Gift, Colossal, very most recently with Anne Hathaway, but probably my favorite favorite Australian film ever made. He cut it together. It's Animal Kingdom. Say hello, Luke Doolan. Hi there. And he is also joined by Osmosis, just hanging out in Venice Beach, actually in the pretty much the same area that we are set in this minute that we're about to watch, is Logie Award winner from Australia. It's probably one of the best shows Australia has produced in about the last 10 years, The Kettering Incident. His name is Henry Nixon. Say hello, sir. Hello. Guys, you joined us last time. We're going to get into this. We've got, we've just seen the build-up, the wordless build-up. We've seen Pete Kilmer. We've seen his smile disappear. And we're now going to watch the 138th minute together. And you guys can have a listen. And then we're going to dissect it for you. This is command. Take him at the street and check him out. She's really terrific. She's, she's amazing. Ah, she's huge. And and I've again, always been. Yeah, I'm a big fan too. I think she gets a she gets a bad rap, and it just sucks because she was in a stack. I think it's like that same thing that some actors suffer where. They're cast in like 15 movies in the space of three years and people sort of get that over-exaggeration, over-saturation rather. Um, and so she was she was just huge in this period. She was in everything and then she's kind of disappeared. But you look at her in things like this and she's just out of control. Did she ever win an Oscar or anything? Like she's got to be nominated. For I, I feel like she was. I don't know though. Uh, she did suffer from a little bit of late 90s oversaturation or sort of mid to late 90s oversaturation or something. Too many she? films with horses? I don't know. Like I feel maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. She did do a film. She did that film with um with Hugh Jackman, what, in 2000 or 2001? What was that? Um, oh, Someone Like You or something like that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Was that a wooden? I feel like that was kind of peak Judd and Jackman was just kind of coming up and and in Hollywood. It was before he did, you know. I think it was before. Was it before he did Swordfish and all that? Maybe it was around. No, no, Swordfish was his first big uh, post Wolverine movie. Oh, was it? Oh, was it pre? 
Oh, that's right, because Travolta saw him and was like, who is this guy? It's like Clint Eastwood. Yes. We've got some Travolta stories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear God. This is not one Travolta minute because we would be here for a year. Uh, really gone off topic here. No, yeah. that's, but anyway. this is, you know, it's right. you, when you're looking at these, especially this time, you can't talk about like one actor or even one Michael Mann film without the other. It's weird because you've got, and even Ted Levine, like who plays Bosco in other scenes yeah. of the movie, you're like, he, this is just around the time of B- Buffalo Bill. You know, this is like... Well, well, hang on, this is 95, Buffalo Bill was five years earlier. But it's still curious that he got Buffalo Bill in in his movie. Yes. I love that stuff. Yeah, mm. he's got Buffalo Bill, and then he's in a bunch of later stuff, and you get Wes Studi, who's just walked out from being a bad guy in Last of the Mohicans. He's straight in here. He's oh, last I love Wes Studi. Studi should be in everything. Yeah, he yes. should actually be in everything. He's 100%. so great. He's a fantastic... Yeah. And... and um, He's good. He's so good at any role, lead, yep. villain. He is. He just. He's got. He's got it all. Yeah. And, and um, uh, Graham Greene also. While well, we're on uh, Native American actors, um, especially when they're playing just regular cops. And yeah, stuff. they're really they're not, great. Aren't they? They're not having to play the um, yeah ethnicity. They're eth- it's just like we're we're just guys, and we're you know it's a it's a the, that that force is mm. the LAPD as portrayed in the film is pretty. Multicultural, uh, and, yeah. and you have to be to maneuver the streets. It really of LA. is, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's and it's sort of like it, I mean, it's sort of I guess there is a lot of diversity in casting there, which is kind of the buzzword in casting nowadays. But yeah, it's but, like it's, it's actually sort of like well, if you look at people like Man, they're kind of he's like populating his films with really really interesting actors and faces. Yeah, and but you know, appropriately too. Yeah, because um, crazy, crazy. People talk about diversity, but we just talk about authenticity. So if you went to LAPD, yeah. you would look around and go. Well, there's a guy who's got an Native American background. There's a Hispanic background. Yeah. There's an Italian background. There's an Irish background. There's an African American. Yeah. There's another African American. It just seems like yeah. it would make sense. It seems yeah. like it makes sense rather than a bunch of waspy white guys going into a Hispanic barrio and trying to. You I know, mean, is there anything? Is there anything worse than that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you see <laughs> no, that. Movie. There's not. <laughs> oh, I see you. There's not. There's not anything worse than that. Yeah, there isn't. No, um, but of the way that the, these the. The, guy, the guys playing the cops, um, mm. they kind of wear that thing rather than have to display it all the time. They do. They, they, they just do. wear that, that street weariness. Yeah. It does have an authenticity to it. Yeah, the lines so. in the face. I think Wes Studi's got that because he's just got those that, that brow that feels like it's carrying. Like, well, yeah, and the, his introduction to, to movies, as far as I, I saw as an audience member, was uh, Dancing with Wolves, Dancing and he Wolves. was the scariest yes. motherfucker and as, 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 as he was in Last of the Mohicans as Mogwa. Yeah. Um, yeah. Terrifying. And he, so it's great yeah. when he's playing just a, a cop. He's, he, he still looks intimidating. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. he, you get the feeling he has to go home to a TV dinner and stuff. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, I can talk about He's so great. Isn't yeah. Wes is so awesome, like and you talk dances with wolves. He is so I can't decide whether he's more scary as Magua or in mm. or, or in Dances with Wolves because in Dances with Wolves he's just he's like a force. I'd say Dances with Wolves because you don't even know his motivation. Like yes. Magua is very motivated. Yeah, he's a turncoat. Um, yeah, but yeah, back in Dances with Wolves when he's the leader of the Pawnee. Yes, um, yes. and he death man like twelve rifles shooting at you in a circle. <laughs> yes, How I was going to say it takes an entire tribe to kill him as one guy. Yeah. And he, and he does this sort of almost backflip off the horse. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. Is, that, is that actually him doing the stunt? I don't know, but it's brilliant. <laughs> and he, he it, gives it, it a walk right. It was. Before. It was Wes Studi. <laughs> We've decided that he did, the, he did the backflip off the horse. It was outstanding. 
and Michael Mann said, I want that guy. I want yeah. that guy. I need that guy in my movie. Um, but I'm kind of like, in, in Last of the Mohicans, I'm kind of on his side a little bit. Like, I'm kind of like, yeah, like he's, I like this guy, you know. Yeah, that's what's well, really he's, he's protecting his people Absolutely. by turning, by being a turncoat. Well, his, his but, kind of motivations are kind of like well-intentioned sort of. Well, he, he doesn't see the long term, that's all. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's a really good point is the more I've watched Last of the Mohicans, I've watched a stack of times, he, he becomes a more sympathetic character. Because you're like, well, really, they don't. Yeah. The Brits aren't much well, better than the French, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like th- yeah. these people are ultimately going to be exterminated. Um, which colonial yes. power do you want them to be exterminated by? And he absolutely becomes. And I think that that's. I I love to think that that's why man cast him as that because he's the he's the bad guy. He's the bad mm. one of the bad guys, I guess. Bad but, guy. But you- like Walter White, you don't have to agree with him, but no, you yeah. understand. Yes. Yeah, and it's not really sort of a black and white, you know, depiction of a good and evil and bad and good. No, it's complicated. It's much more complicated, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we've just gone, um, that's the last Mohicans minute. Um, so we've just yeah. gone. <laughs> <laughs> we are really spiralling here. Well, we've got to talk a little bit more about Val, though. Uh, well, I think, we, look, we, well, and I'd love to. And, um, uh, oh, well, has anyone done Val's fucking John Merrick elbow? No. Ah, uh, yeah, we talked about that. No, Have you, you've seen that, right? You know about all that. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I know about it, but I want, I want you to tell the people who are listening because I have not done that minute yet. Okay. So there's, right. this is loosely related to this minute, but um, Val Kilmer has a scene with, where he wakes up on De Niro's floor in, mm. uh, down in, I think it's Venice in some nice beach uh Glass house, yeah, right on the water. And um, I never noticed it when I first saw it. It took someone to alert me to it, but now I can't mm. unsee it. But it's, I think it's uh, on Val like Kilmer. IMDb. It's on like an IMDb. Have you seen this? Someone pointed me into it like a year ago, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, it's, it's a baseball-sized gaping. Um, looks like a giant zit on his elbow. Mm. Um, and we we watched it. De Niro even clocks De- he it. clocks it. Yeah, and, and he, he <laughs> yeah he does. <laughs> At one point, he looks down, clocks it, and then phrases a question. No, I, I wonder whether they, he looked down and and heaved in the tank and they cut it out. Because <laughs> when I first saw it, I but he like, has that kind of look in his eyes, that De Niro look in his eyes. He's just like, "What the fuck is that?" Well, and he, then- <laughs> he said, "I think the question he asked him is, is there anything else going on on the side?" Which is really, <laughs> that's right. That's it's a right. great thing to go. Well, you've obviously fucked your elbow. What are you up to? There is something on the side going on on the side of your elbow. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. has a lot of meaning. Yeah, on the side, yeah, yeah. they cut out of your elbow. The really effortless <laughs> editing. Anything going on the but side? It's really because, like, I, I watched that scene recently and I didn't notice it. And it's testament to Val Kilmer's, I think, charisma on screen that you kind of like. And, and how, how little we look at elbows. How little we look at elbows just generally. And also the, the majesty of the wig. Yeah. That he's yeah. <laughs> well, I reckon there might be some design behind because the wig's a long uh, blonde ponytail, but he's got a couple of uh, bangs hanging over, yeah. <laughs> which completely draw you to his face. Yeah. yeah. Which take, takes the heat off the elbow. Yeah, the heat, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the, the, okay, we, well, I just love the production meeting. All right, guys, we have to have bangs because his elbow is fucked up. Like, yeah. there is something really wrong, and we've got to take the audience's attention off. We've got to bring it back to Val's face. And, yeah. and, and man, man is a, sh- a guy who shoots, you know, he, he's, he's very sort of height. close and closeted. Yeah, like yeah. the sort of chest, chest to the top of the head, sort of height in a lot of this However, film. However, this this scene, you know, has opportunities to block it so that you don't see. It. Like Val walks into a close up, so you don't see his elbows. Yeah. But then it's just they don't even attempt to hide it. They're no, just like, no. let's hope the audience just smooths over this one. Yeah. 
Well, but once you see it, you you you, you can't unsee it. You can't unsee it. Yeah. And yeah, what, I'm, what I'm hoping is that when we get someone into that minute, I'm going to point them out and I'm going to say, and I'm going to, oh, te- yeah. I'm going to have to tease people for this episode and go, guys, in episode 138, Luke Dolan and Henry Nixon are just, we dissect this elbow scene in the future. So you get to go back and be rewarded and watch that scene again. Um, so we've got to get back to this minute. Back to Ashley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back, back to Ashley. Ashley. And this is so we've just sort of freeze framed on the hundred and thirty, the beginning of the hundred and thirty eighth minute, and it's she. Her eyes are beginning to well with tears, and then there's kind of this little furrowing of a brow, and about one second in, it pans down to both of her hands. No, it cuts down. Oh, cuts down. Um, sorry. And, and yeah, it's. I've just noticed it's her wedding ring hand. Mm. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of meaning and oh, decisions there you go. going on. Of course. Oh, there goes the valve. It's off. And then it cuts to valve. That like it's like a half second, just flash. And suppose to your point before, Luke, when we were talking in the previous minute about how she's going to guise that. It's it's kind mm. of leaning forward on that left shoulder, doing it with her yeah, right yeah. hand, so that it is kind of covered up from Drucker, who's staring at her outside the window, trying to make it as little distraction as possible and then bang and you watch his smile completely go and he's looking at her yeah, and there's sort he, of tears in her eyes and we're at and about nine seconds th- he's got to think of what he can do to save himself yes you know he's got what a car in front of him probably he probably is just aware he's surrounded by eyes yeah and he but he's got the, the the basketball guys in the background it's such a cool save yeah and so it keeps going and he's like oh god what the hell am i going to do a million things go through his mind in this performance in about five seconds and he turns around very clunkily because he's clearly injured and you know can't move his left arm and ask for directions look at that and then second. she has the, that's the the romantic uh yeah. shot of the movie like her hair moves in the wind and the beautiful light behind her and, and yeah. just the gorgeousness of i think of there's a bit of wish fulfillment in this relationship isn't it sure yes definitely yes. yeah and go on the, go on the, about the, that well it, yeah yeah no go well, on, you know she, she's such a sort of strong force in his life that i, I just feel like we all want to have Ash? What's a Charlene? Like Charlene? Do you think it's kind of like this? It's the guardian angel kind of moment, isn't it? In a weird way, that's the the angel kind of sort of uh, saves him. I think that's yeah, a fair yeah, 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 isn't it? That, do I, you think? I I don't know. If Am I, I drawing a bit of a I long think, bow? I, you don't think man would go there? Oh, I think man would probably go there. Oh, one hundred percent, he would go there. I think it's a great. Like you could read it. <laughs> I, I I after I'm telling you after how many minutes I've now gone through um, with with. Uh, his level of fastidiousness going through each of those those minutes, it's absolutely a great read. Like it's as uh, you could totally read it as her just being in that moment, having that perfect scene. The lighting is perfect. You can see a tear that's rolled down from her right eye. You can see it sort of appearing next to her lips. And do you reckon that was a tear blower, or do you reckon she got that up herself? Nah, she did it. She can do that. You reckon she got she, it herself? She can, she's, she did it. No tear blower. Yeah. yeah, she's actually she's kind of like she's all over it. She's she, she, she's she kind of like Blanchett level. Man would have said tears. She would have said right eye, left eye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love I love that potential scene. Right eye, left eye. Which cheek has the shine on it? <laughs> yeah, the light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. So then. And it's just, yeah, so now, the hair's blowing in the but wind. But she's so beautiful, isn't she? Oh. But she's holding that sort of... She's breathtakingly beautiful. And mm. and you're right. Let's go back. That face is like, it's almost, it's in that sort of split second, there's like this smidgen of relief. It's like, oh God, he like he, he got it. He knows what to do. He yeah, knows what to do. Sort of, 
but specific or whatever. It's sort of, I don't know. It's, it, to me, it's a Renaissance angel. Look, I'm really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay, we need to call it on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's, we'll finish it with a Renaissance angel. But now he's just talking to a couple of guys playing basketball and she turns around. Yeah. Walks straight back in. Yeah. And, and this is Michelotti Williamson, right? Yeah, Michelotti Wilson. He's just... He's terrific. awesome. He's great. Yeah. Very underused um, and appreciated. Oh, very much so, yeah. Yeah, he's... And in almost everything he's in, and he's in a couple of man films, but most notably probably Ali, where he plays Don King, mm-hmm. young Don King. He's just so good. It's like, well, why isn't this guy in everything? Just put him in any no. and everything. He's a fantastic actor. So That's what they used to say about Don Cheadle, you know? It's like, he's just so good. Why isn't he in everything? Yeah. He kind of... Stuff with, you know, kind of he is now. <laughs> he's, in, he's, in, he's, in, he's in Marvel movies. As soon as you're in a Marvel movie, you're in everything. Um, yeah. So you've got Kilman sort of gets back into the car here. This is where we're talking about. Sports um, here for a second. Yes. Yeah. So this shot where it's a close up of him having just gotten into the car. There's a shot coming up when he's just gotten free of the cops where they cut into what I think is this same shot, but they've zoomed, they've, they've done a zoom in and the, the shot cuts in, in the middle of the zoom. Yes. Which is so curious, but it, it works so well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to sort of draw your attention to this now so that you recall it later. Yes. And so, but here... It I'm kind of cuts in halfway through the punching. Yes. And so mm. here we go. She just walks in and goes, it's not him. I just love the confidence. She just blusters it. No, nah, it's not him. Goes to sit down. Yeah. And I love his suspicion. He's like... Yeah. I, I can't. Well, he, he knows she's smart and crafty and a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> yeah. And he can't figure her out. Like, you know, she's too smart for him. But I, And it's a great beat to have, okay, well, you resolve the, the personal issue or the, the, the relationship issue. You've still got to resolve the plot issue of is he going to get yes. away and, and to separate. Yeah, mm. yeah. You've got, separate, you like, got, you got both yeah. of those things, but it's also – we, we remember to the previous minute that Vincent and the other guys, um, uh, whether that's Schwartz and, and Casals, are, are waiting. Like, they're literally waiting on the phone. They're listening. Well, they were listening in on the phone and that's he's right. sitting there and he's just looking at her. And I love also, just to recall the previous scene, is how completely great is Hank Azaria as an asshole in this movie? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so good. I just want to describe what I just saw, guys. We're talking over Skype. I just saw Luke and Henry jump with excitement when I talked about Hank Azaria. Then that was like, I wish I that if I could just film that ten second loop and put it on the side, I would have done it. That's fantastic. Um, but yeah, so Hank Azaria reading phone book would be hilarious. Oh. But, um, him in this film, he's just such just, a douche. Yeah, it's terrific. He's really great. Yeah. And uh, the the we would have already talked about it by the time you're hearing this, but the amazing scene where Pacino says "great ass" um, was actually a take that Hank Azaria had no idea what he was doing. He was just vibing. They were having a couple of improvisational sort of moments, and when he did mm. it, man used the take of him being shocked because he was genuinely shocked that <laughs> Pacino was doing it. And but in this sequence. I, I- who, if Pacino's doing his who are. Oh, I, mean, I don't know if I'd be shocked. I'd sort of... No, but I reckon he might have been shocked as an actor going, where maybe did that you, come from? Maybe if you were getting it, yeah, you'd be like, where, what? Where did, he, where did that come from? Yeah, it was like, oh. So, yeah. The Drucker's great in the lead up to this scene. Uh, mm. He's so fantastic, and, and this is McKelty Williamson. He's so great in the lead up to this scene because he's completely dismissive of Hank Azaria's character. He's just like, get out of my face. You're just a pest. Like you're, you're, yeah. you're the least, imp- uh, he's, he's, his character's name is Alan Marciano, but he's really, he's just like, get out of my face. Um, I know I need to deal with her. 
And so he's not even included in any of the conversation right now. He's looking at her and it's where at 44 seconds in to this 138th minute and he's looking at her and there's a shock. Like there's a genuine shock on his face that's registering 46, 47. She sits down and it's kind of like a, a bit of cool, like, I think I did it. Well, I think I got him out of yeah, it. Yeah, she's, she's done her play. Now let's see how it plays out. Exactly. She's got that great. She's really young, but she's really world weary. Yeah. You know, kind of, especially in this bit. And yeah, she found her place in the room where she can just get a private moment, which yeah. we're privy to, which is cool. Yeah. And then it's sort of her thinking, reacting, and then there's a cut over to Drucker. He's looking at it. He's like, no, nah, I can't believe this. I've got to go. Let's go. Check him yeah. in. And the last sort of 10 seconds of the scene is a cut between Drucker saying, you've got to check him anyway. I don't care. I don't believe. I don't Exactly what you said. I know she's too smart that she could have absolutely had that reaction with anyone and yep. walks back in three, two, one. We're at the cusp of the end of the scene. We see the Trans Am driving back down to the police checkpoint. We haven't quite got to the checkpoint yet. But absolutely, I love there's, there's sort of a confidence in Ashley Judd's performance in this moment and then there's a hesitation. Then there's like, have I done enough? Is is he still yeah. going to get caught regardless? Because if he gets caught, then I'm then I'm stuffed too, basically. Yeah, that, that look on his face too, like that's like uh, an Ashley Judd version of a De Niro pout. Like that's her kind of <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's her like tough face. Like yeah, I, I dig that. It and, is, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's watching an actor or, or a person on film think is one of the most interesting things. Mm. Especially when it, if it's the, in the context of a, a film that's well constructed, yes. Um, Someone thinking or listening, yeah, yeah. And because and it's only interesting when they've got it all going on, yeah. But you're totally on her side here, aren't you? You kind of like, but oh, you want have, you want Chris like, to get away, you, and you're so invested, yeah. You want Chris but to get away just, now based on yeah. her performance. So you, it's even oh, less about him in this moment. It's more about I want to see her. It's that weird sort of conflict that you have. It's like, oh, I actually want to see her be successful in her ruse in this particular mm. moment. But I love what you said, Luke, because I'm going to go back to your resume for a quick second um, where you talk about someone thinking. And I think it's also actors not thinking. So Luke Frenchville in Animal Kingdom when he's watching the telly, watching Deal mm. or No Deal in the beginning moments of that film after his mum's passed away and is giving the audience nothing and just making you project absolutely every bit of conflict, confusion, ambivalence, reading all of that into it. I think that that's... And, and having the... I like in these moments just having the courage to sit in the silence of thought. So in the previous, you know, cutting between her and Kilmer, um, there's a communication. It's like, you need to get out of here. You're in trouble. Mm. You're in deep. You're in deep doo-doo. You need to get out of here. Whereas in this moment, it's her going, have I done enough? Have I done everything? And just this quick, quick second, I love, I love. And again, it's so funny that you picked such dialogue-less scenes for us to talk to, right? Really? So it's actually when you approached me, I actually called or texted Henry and went, well, I'm going to do this thing. What would you, and we talked, you know, went back and forth and this was the scene. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought this scene was uh, was a good choice. I, I was I would have chosen this anyway, but yeah. It's, it's yeah, it's got so much, and and I don't know why it sticks in my mind so heavily in a film that's so dominated with memorable stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I guess it's because it's female. It's it's the only female force in the film. That's but also I think it's like a really cinematic. Like it's, you know, obviously it's a piece of cinema, but it's just uh, you know some of the best moments, the most memorable moments in films are dialogueless moments because it's a visual medium. I really yeah. believe. 
And um, you can say so much more when you don't say anything at all on yeah. film. Yeah. And that's when you say it all, in fact. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. making a choice um, in a massive epic like this, um, because even though it is like a dude, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a sausage. It's <laughs> sorry, I missed that. What was that? I said I thought you were going to say to call your characters Chris and Charlene. Mm. Yes, I'd, I'd love to do an Australian remake of this. Oh, I mean, also because it's, it's a film that's so dominated by such strong personalities, De Niro, Pacino, and stuff. So you know, yeah. such cinematic legends. Um, um, you know that we've all quoted and la la la. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, to choose this scene, I'm, yeah, I mean, that's just testament to the strength of the film, isn't it? Really, mm. yeah. And um, but I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah. No, I was just going to say. Um, it's a it's a it's a dude it's a dude movie. There's so many dominant male performances, but I think um, what's what's really interesting is that even though uh, even though there's not many women, I think they're all very formidable women. You know, I think Justine, uh, Brenner, Amy Brenneman's probably the weakest of all of the women, but you've got Charlene, you've got Justine, who are very interesting and complex characters in and of themselves, um, um, and. Yeah, I, is that, is, which one's Justine? Justine is Diane Venora's character, who is oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Pacino's wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a firebrand. She's a firebrand and has some great scenes that we would have already talked about now. Um, but but you know, I, I love that this sequence is is and it's extremely memorable. You got a movie that's got probably one of the best mm. high scenes ever, um, uh, and then you've got the great car crash scene at the beginning of the film. And people want to just see Ashley Judd move her hand <laughs> to say no. Like that's the that's, the, that's, that's yeah. the power of that that sequence. Um, how they how they sort of interconnect. Um, so I want to go back. In a previous episode, we talked about the De Niro versus Pacino. So Henry, I want to ask you the question <laughs> yeah. about the De Niro versus Pacino effect of this movie on you, because you know, uh, if if we're lucky, we may get Luke and Henry back along for another minute on this crazy journey. But if, if they don't, yeah. I definitely want to make sure I want to make sure that I get this now. Is talk talk to me about the styles of these two professionals? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, for, for yeah. the record, what's yes. your take? For the record, what's your take on, on the on the and the and the scene, the famous scene in Kate Mandolini's? Yeah, you can do Kate Mandolini's scene if you like, or just their performances up to that point. Because oh, I think that, generally, generally. yeah, okay. I, and I have said this, but obviously, you didn't. Did it get recorded when I said this before, or not? It no, no, no. The, fir- the opening scene. Okay. Well, it's test. Like it's testament to uh, obviously, you know, it's the famous bringing together of the two iconic kind of. Um, American actors of the you know second half of the twentieth century and and onwards. Um, so and to me it's a it's it's a testament to why I much prefer De Niro as as an actor over Pacino. So that's uh, yeah that was why my is that take. because you've got you've got a role where one's flashier and brasser just uh, brassier uh, on the surface Pacino and then yeah. you've got De Niro who's actually really reeling it in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the energy is kind of all it's pretty interesting, but. Okay, well, I think that so, both, well, like both, man has cast them to their strengths, you know, obviously. Sure. Um, which is kind of like, he's just kind of like, he, he's just kind of like, well, I, I mean, it'd be interesting to see, you know, them swapping roles. Oh, know? yeah. I mean, think about that. I, um, I don't know. That's that, interesting for you. I mean, <laughs> if you, and, and this is my head going back to it, it's like, if you could get uh, Pacino acting like Godfather 2, Pacino. If you got Godfather Part yeah. Two, Pacino as Neil McCauley, and you got sort of um, yes, yeah, and, and if absolutely. you got like a, uh, a a De Niro who could touch the same levels as Mean Streets De Niro at the same yeah. time, I think they both perfectly, Which is yeah, because it's just yeah. that flash. I I think a lot yeah. of people um, 
it, what's funny is, and this is in the research in the research of this podcast is, uh, and and for heat aficionados, you guys might know this already. It's he based it off of an FBI um, investigator, and that guy used to talk about the mania of of the way that he would interact with criminals. So when he's talking to his people, he's very restrained, and he's and he's also other than when he's like really pissed off at Justine, you know, kicking his television set out the door, saying his wife just cheated on him at home. It, most of the time, he is pretty chill. He's pretty cool. But when he's around criminals, that's when the mania sets in. So you see him was like, give me all you got or great ass. Well, like he's trying to shake it, it out of them. Yeah, um, but to me, I'm but, seeing Pacino but, making, I'm seeing Al Pacino make choices. Yeah, but, but there's a detail I've read where Pacino mm. uh, said, you know, he, his character's a chipper at cocaine. Like he's, yes. and I think there was some yes. scenes shot that they didn't use. Oh, really? And that's part, part, oh, so he's partly, high. partly to do with his mania. I think when he's on the job, he's high. But when he gets home, he's got to deal with all this shit and he's, you know, coming down off whatever. But so it's not, it's never uh, implicit, but I love that. Sure. I, I love hearing that. And Look, it's so entertaining, obviously, and it's yeah. so great to see De Niro fly. I mean, Pacino fly and do his thing. Um, to me, it's kind of a testament to kind of the era of Pacino where he stops, he stops behaving on film. Yes. Stops behaving yes. himself. Do you yes. know what I mean? Yes. Yes. The 90s. Yes. Yeah. And, and when Pacino behaved himself on, on film, like in Panic in Nettle Park, um, The Godfathers, I mean, this, I mean, there's nothing. Dog Day. Dog Day. A lot. Dog, Dog Day. Day even. Well, he's pushing it. No, Dog Day. No, he's great. Um, this to me is, oh, and Serpico. Yeah. Cruising. You know, this to me is Pacino behaving himself on film and, and acting properly. <laughs> As opposed to he. Well, in Heat, he's kind of pushing it a bit. He's doing the, the Frank Slade. He's still got a bit of Frank Slade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's like it's, it's, so he's so quotable. So people, it's like he, he makes the bold choices and he pulls it off, so it's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and it is very entertaining. It is. Like you can't, like you can, you can criticise it, but it's still hugely watchable. It is hugely watch, watch, watchable, but it's also kind of cheesy. You know what I mean? Like no, it's only no. cheesy. I think I think the punctuation, and we're probably getting really super early, but um, my defining moment, and I don't think I've even talked about what my favourite moment of this film is. I think I continue to talk about favourite moments as we're watching it, and I love this moment. Like I feel like every moment that escalates in this movie, it kind of comes to a point. But I just think the performance that Pacino delivers in the final moments of Heat, yeah, is some of the is some of the most transcendent acting I think in his entire career. Because he just, he is there experiencing, and we talked about this moment being so loaded because it's carrying now like more than two hours of drama and conflict together. And we get to sort of get this payoff in this beautiful, quiet, cinematic, you know, gesture fest, which is just everyone conveying what they're feeling instead of saying stuff. And and what does it mean? That's, I, yes. st- I still don't quite know what it means. And every time I see it, it's a different meaning. It's I, kind I, of about everything, this movie, isn't it? Yeah. It is, but I remember seeing... Um, like all the great films, like all the great works of art, they're about everything, you know, yeah. like The Godfathers and, you know. Well, I, I even and I know we're kind of talking about a different minute, but um, I, I actually saw it uh, when I first saw it, and I didn't like it. I often go back and see those movies again, yes, in order to figure out why I didn't like it or, or what I missed, yeah, or what it needs or something. Um, I, I, one film for me like that was I watched The Thin Red Line for the first time, and I think I was too young, and I hated it. Yeah, I detested. I it. love that film. I detested no, it. I love it. I, I love it. The, I thought it was the, an hour too long or too short. Yeah, you've said that. Yeah. And, and the first time uh-huh. I watched the first time I watched it, I detested it, and I went back and yeah. I saw it again. And I would, I think it's 
an unbridled masterpiece. Like it's it's un- pure cinema. It, it takes unbelievable. you unbelievable. You grow into films as well. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's not always presented to, like you've got to catch it at the right time. And, yeah, it's like um, the Big Lebowski. Like you said, is something that I think is funnier every time I watch it. And I'm, yeah, maybe it it's because I'm a little bit older and and it's it's. Like it's just so riddled with those '90s isms, and but even I think something like Lebowski, uh, just to sort of go on a real tangent, it's like you realize that Lebowski just repeats dialogue from other characters in the movie. So the more that yeah, you watch yeah. the movie, you start hearing the dialogue that he's saying from the person that, that says it, and go, "Wait, doesn't he but, say that?" But he later? doesn't understand yeah, it. Yeah, he, yeah. he doesn't understand <laughs> it. And so I, it's some, I, I've got a very close colleague who I work with. Who's I just see him in it. I just go, yeah. you just learned that word five minutes ago. It's really funny because I went to see Lebowski. I remember going to the cinemas to see Lebowski. Yeah. And, yeah. and sort of walking away thinking, oh, that was really cool. But it's just like a small movie that's, you know, kind of maybe could have been. It just felt like a small movie. It's, it's fun to hang out. It, it was going to be a blip, you know, and yeah. then it kind of. Because it was straight after Fargo. So yeah. yeah. Oh, it was straight Talk about another off. movie that's just out of control. Great. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um. Man, I want to do our own podcast now. This is great fun. Yeah, yeah, we should. <laughs> you guys should do a podcast. All come back to talk more about we'll you. Yeah, well. <laughs> I'd love it. I'd love you guys to do a podcast. I'll be absolutely in. Um, guys, we've talked for another half an hour on one minute of heat with many great, fantastical tangents. Um, and I just want to say a huge thank you for being a part of it. It's absolutely awesome to have you in another time and place and so close to this actually unfolding scene. I hope that this afternoon in LA, you guys take a basketball and go down to the courts and see if you can find this spot in Venice where it is. We'll, we'll take a shot and we'll, t- we'll yeah. send you a picture. Uh, in a couple, that would be fantastic. Um, but Luke Dolan, Henry Nixon, thank you so much for being part of One Heat Minute. Thanks for having us. No worries. Us. Thanks for having us, mate. See you guys. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.